Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast series. I'm your host, Jason McSherry, and joining me today, we have Justin Warner, President and CEO of Synergy Process Consulting, Inc. Thank you, Justin, for joining us here on the YCEA podcast series. Um, as President and CEO of Synergy Process, tell me a little bit about what you do. Well, thank you very much for having me, uh, Jason. Uh, Synergy Process Consulting, uh, we, we provide what I like to call the modern work experience for your organization. So the modern work experience is where we take a look at the processes of your organization and we transform those processes from paper-based to digital processes and provide automations wherever it makes sense. Uh, by adding automations, you know, it frees your employees to you know, focus on your customers. So that way, you know, the, they're less burdened by routine work. So what it does is it creates an environment where employees are more engaged and more focused on the organization's goals instead of you know, the, the minutia of day-to-day -day activities. When you talk about digitizing some of those processes and automating some of those processes, can you just give me a quick example of like a recent company that you worked for and something that you helped them do that really kind of automated a process and made life easier for them um, or more efficient? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I had worked for an HVAC company and one of the issues that they had was, you know, really understanding the total cost of a project. So some of the things that I had helped to automate were interfacing with QuickBooks. So that way, you know, they, they could better understand the cost of a job or a project that they worked on. I had also created dashboards and filters. So that way, when they sold products from an inventory, you know, they, understood what the profit and loss was on each of the products. And what it did is it helped them to ship, to focus their sales efforts on the products that they made the most income, where in the past they were selling those products that they had the longest vendor relationship with, but it wasn't necessarily the, the best, most profitable products that they could have been selling. Obviously, COVID had a, a huge impact on everything that we did uh, from workplaces. A lot of people started working remotely. Uh, there were masking requirements, social distancing requirements. You know, there were a lot of businesses who uh, had basically empty spaces. Um, now, fortunately, the one trade off with that is, is that they, they may have not had to pay as high of an electricity bill if they're not using the lights there. But at the same time is they were also paying for space that probably wasn't being used. Um, how, what did you see from the workplace perspective of how COVID affected the workplaces then and what could be a lingering effect heading into what will be a return to work? As businesses are trying to plan for the returns, they sort of have a little bit of a moving target when it comes to CDC regulations and state mandates 
that will affect their business from a, a physical perspective. You make a great point here because that's actually something that is literally a moving target. I mean, as we're talking today, it will probably be different what some of those guidelines are tomorrow. Well, that's right. And a lot of businesses have developed some sort of a comfort, whether it's an uneasy comfort with their employees who can do so working from home. You have uh, made mention of several points that, you know, some of the economics of employees working remotely, you know, they, they did say the companies did save a little bit of money. Uh, I spoke with a local school district and the school district itself was able to save a lot of money um, when students uh, were remote, working remotely. So there are really some trade-offs. And if you look at the economics from an employee perspective, uh, all the money that you save on your commute, it almost feels like an instant pay raise because you're just not having to spend that money to commute. That's a great point about how a lot of employees were able to save some money if they were one of those that were working remotely. Um, it was probably like a little bit of a bonus or a bump in salary. And actually, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball because this is one of the things that we've also been hearing about and something that I literally just read an article on that uh, a survey of 3,000 employees across the country from large corporations said that they 64% uh, of them were willing to take or, or to forego a $30,000 salary raise to continue to work from home. And I think that leads right into the conversation that you had where we're talking about what does that new normal look like and what do companies need to consider when they are trying to bring employees back? One of them just being that the overwhelming opinion seems to be that people wanna stay home and work from home if they can. Yeah, I, I think it really depends on the individual. I, I know some individuals that find it you know, very distracting to work from home and others that are so comfortable with it. And I, I'll put myself in that category. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because you know, businesses, they, they sort of, um, they, they make purchases in software and technology to support remote work. And their purchasing decisions were really an attempt to triage, you know, a, a really bad situation. You know, the, the, the pandemic came out of nowhere and we heard little rumblings about it in late February and we were hearing, you know, from the officials, different stories, you know, for example, it wasn't so serious. And I remember flying out to Long Beach for a conference and I flew into LAX and I knew that it was one of the six airports in the country where international flights were redirected uh, due to the pandemic. So I, I just thought that was interesting. I wasn't very alarmed by it at the time, but then the very next month in March, nearly everything shuts down. So businesses, you know, they went into triage mode they developed a way to work from home, and we've been living with that way for those of us who could uh, since then. So as businesses look at reopening, there's a lot of for, for them to consider. So as we 
look to returning to work, it does kind of put businesses into a tough position as they try to figure out what is best for the business, but then also for their employees as well. Um, it's, it's something that they probably have not been in a position of before. What, what, do you, what would you recommend as the first step to probably from the employee side, taking that step to determine how do you bring people back? Do you need to bring people back? Um, or, do, or, or do you set up some type of a semi-permanent or permanent remote work scenario? Well, at, at, from a business perspective, there really is no cookie cutter approach. Uh, businesses have to make this decision you know, based upon a lot of different factors. And it's, it's sort of utopian to say that everybody has the technology right now and working from home would be great, or at least working on a hybrid perspective, you know, it would work out. And realistically, it depends on the company culture and the management style and the technology that's available to the companies. And so some managers need to see for themselves how employees perform. And as I had mentioned previously, you know, the businesses that had reacted to COVID, in many instances, it was more or less a, a triage of a bad situation. So the tools and the processes that they put into place, they may not be the best processes or the best applications to really share work. So there's definitely some improvements that, that could be done for those types of organizations. And if a, an organization is willing to embrace remote work, I really think that type of an organization will be more successful than those who do not. And the reason for that is you see the housing market and sales of homes are really skyrocketed. There's a large population from inner cities that are moving out so they don't have to pay the higher taxes. And the, the workforce itself is becoming distributed across the country due to the fact that people are working remotely. So if you want to acquire and retain some of the greatest talent, I think that's a decision that you really have to put a lot of effort into. The companies that I could foresee being most successful when coming out of this pandemic are those that really do embrace you know, the modern work experience. And why? Because it's simple. It empowers their employees to deliver a world-class experience to their customers and their, their business partners and to retain the talent that they've worked so hard to grow over the years. We had two really interesting things there that I, that I want to dive into a little bit further. Um, first, when you were talking about like the housing market and how that workforce is dispersing, are we potentially on the cusp of seeing remote work and potentially having employees become the norm that may never set foot on your physical location? Like, is, is it possible that you could be running a business here in Pennsylvania and have some employees in California, some in Minnesota, some in Texas? Is, did we just open the box to, to make that possible? Well, that 
that type of a technology has existed for quite some time. And you, you could follow posts uh, that were on job boards for you know, many, many years that were listed as remote positions. I think the thing that the pandemic really proved is that this could be done on a large scale, at least for many businesses. I think moving forward, companies that embrace remote work and really do it the right way uh, are going to be more successful uh, for a number of reasons. You know, I had mentioned uh, retaining employees, uh, And to kind of go on the flip side of that coin, then in the businesses that are able to adopt or potentially push this remote model to a larger scale or a more permanent scale, they might not need that five story office building anymore. How, how does that impact the business from those sides? Like, how are they, how should they be looking at the future of their infrastructure and, uh, costs that are associated with what was a traditional workplace and post-COVID new normal? There, there are a lot of challenges for businesses that want to migrate to a remote or a hybrid workforce. And some of those challenges involve information security. Uh, if you take a look at what has to happen with a remote workforce, your actual data has to be shared and instead of being stored in a centralized location, it, it becomes distributed among a number of computers that are outside your network connecting to those resources. So let's take an example of a call center. If, if you are a call center for a, perhaps a medical company or a, an insurance or enrollment company, then you deal with your client's personal information in order to keep that information secure, you have to have the right protocols in place and make sure that information is redacted. So that way your agents, when they see it, they cannot see any personal information. And there are softwares that do this. You know, for example, to prevent someone from taking a photograph of uh, someone's social security number and their address. So there, there definitely are a lot of challenges, but they can be overcome. And the technology has existed already for, for quite some time. That's a great point about the security. Uh, it, it was a hot topic, obviously, when the whole world went to a remote working environment and trying to make sure that you had the technology set up to be able to access from home. And from there, there was concerns about, okay, well, what is our servers um, access safe? And what about like the employees, do, is their modem at home, is that access safe and such? But you bring up a whole different point about the security and that is that your information is out there everywhere. And you don't have the control over it like you used to when everything was on your site, on your premises, and you could, really make sure that there were uh, safeguards in place so that people weren't seeing protected information or something along those lines. Um, what are some of those, those other technologies that might help businesses as they are putting that information out there? It's something that you, uh, I think you had kind of mentioned that while we 
triaged for remote working, we if you're going to continue that, you probably need to invest fully in upgrading those systems to make that a little bit more secure from a permanent basis. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. Now, there, there are a lot of uh, software, so, for example, electronic content management systems uh, that will provide you a lot of control over your information and how the information is shared with your employees. And I don't want to turn this into an advertisement, but you know, that that is something that uh, several very popular ECM platforms will will do. Uh, ECM platforms these days, they, they also provide a lot of beneficial features such as you know, business process automation and robotic process automation. And the use of these automation tools, uh, you can look at it like having a personal assistant for your employees. So you can take routine tasks, for example, manual data entry and you can actually build an electronic process to retrieve information from one data source, you know, whether that's a database lookup or whether that's a, an email attachment. And you can actually use that information to populate, for example, a PDF document and then automatically email it for an approval. So these types of applications, uh, they are definitely growing in popularity. And it's certainly something that should be considered for businesses who are considering working remotely on a larger scale. And certainly if remote work um, continues to be more of a normal going forward, we'll probably see countless new applications and processes that are, that are developed to kind of facilitate that and make it a little bit easier. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier, though, that I want to circle back to is talking about your leadership and the interaction that they have with their employees, especially from a management standpoint. Um, it was one thing when you were doing it from the remote work as it was as it was done for COVID to try to make sure that you're keeping in touch with everybody. And I think it was it was probably something that everybody was kind of learning on the fly a little bit. But if you're looking at making this a little bit more permanent, what adjustments do companies need to look at as far as like a management and a leadership standpoint to make sure that you're managing those employees, getting their results, and also maintaining that communication or, or connection and collaboration that you, that you need in a traditional environment? That's an interesting question. Um, what I believe is the most successful managers would be those that could put themselves in the, the shoes of their employees. At home, employees have a lot of different situations that they have to deal with. Uh, you know, some may have small children, um, others may have uh, you know, other uh, obligations or you know, maybe intermittent internet or something along those lines. So the best thing that managers could do is, you know, stay in constant contact with their employees and really always ask if there's something else that they could do. It's more along the lines of a servant leadership role. So from a different perspective, though, if you are a business owner and you really want 
your employees to get back into the office face to face, but you are running into a lot of opinions where the employees are saying, hey, I can do my job from home. I've been doing it well. I'd prefer not to. As that business owner, what what kind of a process do you need to go through? Should you just push through since it's your business? Um, or should you listen to your employees um, and risk potentially losing some who wanted to stay home or work remotely? That's really a difficult conversation to have, honestly. Uh, if you take a look at the situation that we're in with so many employees able and willing to work remotely, um, if you're not willing to allow your employees that flexibility, then uh, you know they they do have the ability to go elsewhere. So there's got to be some sort of a, a, a happy medium that you can find as a manager, or some some sort of ways to make you know work fun you know, for those employees that have to come back in. And one thing you did mention just in your previous response was about being a, a servant leader. Yeah, Do you, you know, see that being a, a, a something that becomes even more common amongst business leadership and management? Yeah, so I, I think what I'm gonna do is basically take uh, the last question that you have and the prior question and sort of wrap that up into, into one. So would you like to rephrase you know, one of those questions or, or just ask it one more time and then I'll explain my thoughts about management style having to change? <clears throat> so as you're looking at how employees and business leaders and managers are interacting, what dynamics do you think are going to be essential for businesses and leaders to be successful along with that collaboration with their employees uh, in this new normal work environment where they may be working remotely or hybrid types of shifts? Um, what, what skills will managers of the new normal in the future need to be successful and continue to meet their goals? Well, there's an old saying that employees don't leave companies, they, they leave managers. And for managers in these days, they, they face a real challenge, especially if you have employees that are doing well working remotely and want to stay working remotely. Uh, and if you have to bring them back into the office, uh, I think it's going to be a challenge to find ways to you know continue to make them happy if they had to have to commit. So I, I think what needs to happen from a management perspective is is really widespread use of you know servant leadership where you can really put yourself in employees' shoes. You're you're asking employees what they need because Employees now, they, they have the ability, you know, many, many employees to work remotely. And if they're not happy with their current position or their, their current situation, they do have the ability to change.
All right, Justin, I, you know, I appreciate all of the time that you've taken here today. I know we're coming up a little bit on our uh, wall here that we have for today. Uh, so before we go, I actually was hoping that, that we could wrap up on a couple of fun questions. Um, so I have a couple of rapid fire questions I wanted to throw out to you here. And it's, it's the, what we have termed the I Heart Yoko Triple Trivia. Um, as you may know, the York County Economic Alliance, our, our motto is I heart Yoko or I love Yoko. Uh, so we have three quick rapid fire questions that are based off of that logo. So if you're up for it, I will fire the first one off here and see what you come back with. Uh, terrific. I'm ready for it. All right. So for the first question, uh, based on the I in I heart Yoko. Finish this sentence and tell me why you picked your response. The superhero or supervillain that I think is most like me is? Oh, Captain America. Uh, I think because of good values and, and always wanting to go the extra mile to you know, protect those that I care about and uh, complete strangers as well. Good answer. Like that. Captain America. Perfect. All right. Question number two. For the heart in I Heart Yoko, you probably know that York is often referred to as the snack food capital of the U.S. So with that in mind, what is your favorite Yoko snack? Oh, that's a great question because there's so many of them. I'm going to go with uh, Butts Potato Chips. You can't go wrong with that. That is a perfect answer. And you're right. It is tough. It's hard to believe that we have so many options right here locally that come from Yoko. <laughs> All right. So third question, final one. For the Yoko part of the I Heart Yoko, what is your favorite uniquely Yoko activity or tradition, such as maybe it's going to the York Fair or York Revolution Baseball, Harley Davidson Bike Night, something like that? Well, my favorite tradition to participate in is the hanging of the greens. That's something that really helps to ring in the holiday spirit for my family, and we all participate every year, and it's, uh, it's just a wonderful activity. Oh, that's an awesome answer and a nice plug for our affiliate organization, Downtown Inc., who takes care of setting up all of the hanging of the greens every year in uh, November, December to basically bring that holiday spirit to downtown York. So I'm glad that you enjoy doing that and volunteer and help hang those greens. So perfect answer. Well, so, thank you. It's, it's, it's important work that uh, the York County organization does, as well as the YCDA. Well, Justin, once again, it has been a pleasure having you join us today. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk through these things. Uh, we're all heading into uncharted territory with what is the new normal of the workforce and, and workplace. And you shared some really great insights on what as employees and as business leaders and managers, we all need to be thinking about and how we can all work together to make that successful in the new normal of post COVID life. Well, thank you very much, Jason. It, it was really a pleasure.